Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. What a great morning already. Amen? amen. Well, it's good to be able to worship the Lord together. Good to see you folks today as well. As you know, we're in the middle of a series called Being Faithful for His Glory. This entire year, we're going to be looking at this idea of for His glory. It's not about us. It's always about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? This is our 50th year anniversary. We'll be celebrating on September the 2nd, and so we're excited about the big event that we're going to have uh, during that time. But leading up to it, uh, we have some things in stores to move along, and one of those things is we're having some videos each week, little video testimonies each week of folks uh, who are sharing how God has used Mount Pleasant uh, in their life for His glory. And so last week we had Brother Fred Phelps, and this week we have Brother Andy Kuhn. So I want you to see this video real quick. I've been a member of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church for 24 years. Uh, there's just so many ways that God's used Mount Pleasant uh, Baptist Church in my life. He's, he's used me to uh, see the vision, to teach me the gospel, to share it to others, to be a teacher in ways that I never dreamed uh, He would stretch me or use me out of my comfort zone. There's been so many events and um, uh, sermons and trips that so many of them have an impact. Uh, I think one of the, the most memorable ones is my first mission trip in 2002 when we took a team and went to um, Columbia, South America. I think that had a big impact on uh, my life for mission. Thinking back, one of my most fondest memories is the day of Mother's Day in 1994 when me, Marcia, and my oldest daughter, Angela, were all baptized together. I would like to see Mount Pleasant be the lighthouse, not just to the, the area, the communities around us, but to the whole world. I'd like uh, Mount Pleasant uh, people to uh, catch the vision and everyone be a part of going, giving, praying. And I know through this, others will come to know the Lord and um, He'll be glorified through that. I'm Andy Coon. I love the Lord and I love Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> well, as I said, we're, we're looking today at this idea of being faithful for His glory with tools. Last week we talked about being faithful for His glory with the time that we have, but today we're looking at tools. Now as we think about tools, we begin that process of just thinking about what tools are. I don't know about you, but my mind goes to my garage where I have some tools that may or may not be organized at this moment. But nevertheless, that's what I think when I think about those, those kinds of tools. But when we think of tools, we think about tools that are made for fixing or for building. So if you were to go to, say, a auto repair shop, you would find tools like air compressor, jacks, pole jacks, oil drain caddies, and battery chargers and jumpers, engine hoist, transmission jacks, wrenches and pliers, and I probably have no idea what any of those things are, okay? But if you go to a furniture shop, you might would find things like saws and routers and planes and chisels and planers and squares and drills and things like that. If you were to go to a garment or a fabric shop, you would find all kinds of scissors and sewing machines and seam ripper and, and cutting boards and tape measures, pin cushions, pins and needles, tailor's chalk, irons, ironing boards, and maybe even you would find a bedazzler. <laughs> I know a little bit about the things that are in a garment shop, minus the bedazzler, because my wife has some of those things in her little cubby at her house with all, I think all of those things are probably there. But if you were to go to a pastor shop, if you go to a pastor shop, you find things like Bibles and commentaries and theology books and computer and papers and pens. So all kinds of different tools, all kinds of different tools from different things that need to be done for fixing or building. But these are, there are many tools for many different reasons in the world, but God has entrusted his church with some tools that are within his people. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. These tools are also known as spiritual gifts. 
the spiritual gifts that are for the purpose of building up the church of Jesus Christ. And so these gifts, now what we need to understand, what we'll find here is that the gifts that we have are not all the same and they have differing functions just as the ones that are mentioned up here like the auto repair and the furniture and the, the garment shops. Those are all different functions. But each one of each of the gifts, the spiritual gifts are vitally important. So let's see what these gifts are today and that as stewards, that we, as we have these gifts, that we are to be faithful with the tools that have been given to us and we're to be faithful for his glory. Amen? For his glory. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll look at verses 1 through the whole chapter. We're not going to go verse by verse today. We're just going to give you some pieces of this chapter as well as some other passage, passages of Scripture. But we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1. So in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage for us this morning as we think about the tools that God has given us in the way of spiritual gifts. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles or pagans, carried away to these dumb idols or mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members are of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we're all, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole hearing, were, would be the sm- where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, then where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. God's appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret it? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray, Lord, that you'd make it come alive to us, to speak to us as we see that as believers we have these tools that you have given to us for a purpose and a plan. And I pray, Father, that we'd be found faithful with each of those tools that you have given to each of us. So, Lord, I pray now that you'd have your way in our hearts and our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would stir us toward yourself. Lord, you'd stir us toward surrender. Stir us, Lord, toward sacrifice. Stir us toward serving to be the people of God that you have set apart for your glory, to be the vessels of honor that you've desired for us to be. And so, Lord, may you have your way in every heart and life, especially those who may not know you as Savior, that this would be the time where they'd hear the gospel proclaimed and come to know you as Lord and Savior. But, Lord, may you have your way in every heart. We pray now that you would be with me. I pray, Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, and may you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you. you. may be seated. Well, as you see in the bulletin, you see we have an outline uh, for today, and I'm going to give you some of those as we move along. And the first thing that we see here as we're thinking about being faithful for His glory and the tools that we've been given, given to us, the first thing we find is the word indwelling. Indwelling. Now understand that as Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, it's good to know kind of what the background is to the Corinthian church and what's happening here. And as Paul writes this letter to that church, he's reminding them over and over again that they are to live under the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ as believers in that church. He motivates them through the writing of this letter to acknowledge the Lord's ownership over their lives and to show just what that looks like in their lives as he goes throughout this letter as well. So we come to this passage then in chapter 12, and what we find here is that he is answering a question that is going on in the church in Corinth concerning some spiritual gifts. The issues that were happening in Corinth at this time, people were looking at different ones who had spiritual gifts, and they were wanting certain gifts because to them it seemed that they were more noteworthy, they were more, more important, those were the things that were seen, and yet they wanted those gifts but didn't want others. They saw some gifts as more important than other gifts. And so what Paul is doing as he's writing this letter, as he comes to this part of that letter, is he's answering those questions and he has reminded them of the importance of each gift. But not only the importance of each gift, but also remind them of our responsibility or our stewardship with each one of the gifts. And so here we find that Paul is reminding them, as we start out in this chapter, Paul reminds them that they are no longer the same. In verse 3, if you remember here, he's, or rather verse 2, he tells them that you know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb or mute idols. They, they were once were pagans, carried away by these mute idols. These idols could not speak. These idols that, couldn't, that were not like our God, who is the living God. You were carried away by these. And so he's saying to them, look, you are no longer the same people. They were once pagans who went after the idols of this world, but now they're changed because they belong to Jesus. Something has happened in your life, and you're no longer the same, but not only are you no longer the same, but you're no longer your own either. Because back in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he had told them just that very thing. It's not on the screen, but you remember that Paul said these words to them. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And so as we belong to Jesus, here's what we need to know. As we've been born again, bought with the blood of Christ, that we are saved and transformed and changed by his power. And as he works in us, as we come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells each of us who are believers. Amen? Do you believe that? As we come to know Christ, something happens in our life where the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you and within me as believers where he resides. And as he does that, we see that the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and that we are indwelled from on high by the Spirit of God. Verse 3, as a matter of fact, tells us, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so then we also see in Scripture that once we come to know Christ, as we said, the Spirit dwells within us. As a matter of fact, Paul writes to the church at Rome in chapter 8 and verse 9 of that chapter. He says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... He is not his. So if you don't have the spirit of God dwelling within you, then you do not belong to Jesus. You're not his. But if you do know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, then the spirit of God dwells within you. That's what he's saying. And so as the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us, once we come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, we saw a couple weeks ago that he has a job to do in us. And he's transforming us. He's making us to be more and more like Jesus, being transformed into his glorious image. Day by day, we're being made more and more like Christ. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit's job. He's working in our lives. But not only does he do that, but we also know that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. When we stray, when we fail, he convicts us. Praise God for that. Not only that, but he comforts us in our time of loss. He comforts us and, and, and is very near to us when times of difficulty and trials and difficulties. 
He seals us and he is our guarantee and he is working in us. The Holy Spirit who dwells within us, he is working within us and using us, each of us, for the glory of God as his witnesses. But not only that, he is also using us with the tools that he has given us in the form of spiritual gifts. We have these spiritual gifts as the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So here's the thing you need to know, that every believer of God, every believer in Jesus Christ who has been born again, who is a disciple of his, has a spiritual gift. Verse 7 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. This manifestation of the Spirit shows means that the Spirit of God is on display through you and in you by the use of the spiritual gift for the good of all believers. In 1 Peter chapter 4, as a matter of fact, verse 10, says, as each one has received a gift, then minister it to one another. Each of us who are believers have this gift. So as believers, we have the Spirit of God who dwells within us, and also we have a spiritual gift that has been given to us for the glory of God. We have this gift. Now, we, as we understand this, because the Spirit of God dwells within us, then this is not to be taken lightly. But rather, there is an understand that there is a purpose and there is a plan for you and for the gift that has been given to you to build up the church of Jesus Christ, to edify the body, to encourage the body, to build up the body. God has given you, each of us, who are believers, a tool, a spiritual gift for a purpose. We all have at least one spiritual gift. Can I get a witness? Amen. We all, all of us have at least one spiritual gift. All right. I don't know if I got, well, just hang on, hang on. All right. We'll, we'll get there. All right. Second thing we see, not only is each believer has been given at least one gift, it is also fine that we find that the gift is individualized. Individualized. So we see a couple of things here about the gift being individualized. And the first thing we find is each gift or each tool that's been given to us is individually diverse. In other words, the gifts that we have are not the same. Let's look at this, verses 4 through 6. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So there's one Lord, one God, one Spirit who is working in all of us, but he has given us all different gifts. There's a diverse gifts. There are diverse gifts. There are different gifts that have been given to us. My, the gift that I have is not the gift that you have. The gift that you have is not the gift that I have. We have there's a diversity of gifts. So what, okay, Pastor, you've been talking about these gifts. What are these gifts? All right, well... In this passage, Paul lists specific gifts. But we find in other passages of Scripture that there are other gifts that are mentioned as well. There's some in Romans chapter 12. There's some in Ephesians chapter 4. I believe in, in 1 Peter chapter 4 as well. And I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to get into all the gifts today and all the gifts that even Paul lists in this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to try to describe each and every one of them to you. It would just take too long. It would take uh, another time in a Bible study. But there are some, I think, that as we especially look at the gifts today, there are some that are not seen as much today as they were then, and also there are some that are still just as controversial today as they were then, as they were dealing, as Paul was dealing with it as well. But I think what we're going to do here is we're just going to give you a quick general list of, from, from these three different passages of Scripture, realizing that the list that I'm about to give you it's going to show up on the screen, is not an exhaustive list. So if you look at this list and you think, well, I don't have one of those, I don't have a gift. No, this is not all, all right? This is just, just a summary of some that we may see that are prevalent today in spiritual gifts. It doesn't mean that this is all of them, it's not, all right? So let's just look at some of these. First one is the gift of administration. The gift of administration is organizing and helping people to stay on task uh, for God's purposes. Not everybody has that gift. Some people have the gift of teaching, the spiritual gift of teaching. Uh, and that's the, and we don't really have to explain this, but we will to know that this is instructing members in truths and doctrines of the Word of God to build and grow the body of Christ, to teach people from the Word of God. Another spiritual gift is the gift of knowledge. 
This is the God-given ability to learn and to know and to explain and to disciple the precious truths of God's Word. So discipleship is a big part of those who have the gift of knowledge, the gift of prophecy. Now, we think about the prophets of the Old Testament, but this is really a different what we're thinking about here. It's not foretelling, but rather it's forth-telling, telling forth the gospel. It is proclaiming the gospel boldly. That's what prophecy means here. Exhortation is another one. A lot of people might fall under this one, maybe. But this, what I find, is, is means to encourage members. It's encouragement. You have the gift to be able to encourage other people. The exhortation. Uh, the folks who have this gift sometimes make re- really good counselors and motivating other people to serve. They're good uh, exhorters, encouragers. Some have the gift of faith. Faith is is a, a, a unique gift of being able to trust God even when it doesn't look like it's going to go well. Trusting God even though you can't see the end of the, of the tunnel. Trusting, having this kind of faith, even in insurmountable, uh, against insurmountable odds, that, that, having that kind of trust that everything's going to be fine and, and knowing that God's going to work this out. Having that gift of faith. Then there's the gift of apostleship, which would, today would be like our missionaries who feel called to the mission field, those who are church planters, who feel called to go and plant churches, they would have this gift of apostleship. And then there's also the gift of service and helps. And this one is someone who would recognize practical needs that need to be met within the body, for the body, and then joyfully give assistance. Notice, joyfully give assistance to meeting those needs. Amen? That's that kind of service. They just feel, feel they just got to serve. They just want to serve. And oftentimes they're even behind the scenes. My, my mind goes back to an older gentleman at Midway who came to know Christ late in life, who uh, was Hungarian by birth. And I did not know him before he started coming to Midway. And came to Midway and eventually came to know Christ within a few months of him coming there. But what I understood about him was that he was not a nice person, especially in his earlier days as this rough and tough Hungarian who wanted to have it his way. But once he came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of his life, the Lord transformed him and changed him from the inside out. And we could see, watch that take place. And I remember one day I was talking to him after he had received Christ and he had been baptized and and we were in in the office area. And he said, Pastor, something strange has happened to me. And I said, well, brother, what are you talking about? He said, well... You know that I was a Hungarian and I really wasn't a nice person. And I said, well, that's what I've heard. I don't really know that. He said, but here's the thing. I am finding that I cannot get enough of serving. He said, I, I, when people cook back in the kitchen here at the church, I just want to be here all the time. He said, I have never been that way in my life. I've never wanted to serve people. I want people to serve me. I didn't want to serve people. He said, what in the world is going on? So, brother, let me tell you what's going on. You accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, and he has transformed you and changed you, and you're a child of the King. And when you came to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, something happened that the Holy Spirit came and indwelled you, just like he does all of us who know Jesus as Savior. And when he came and indwelled you, he gave you a spiritual gift, and that spiritual gift is the gift to serve. And now you can't get enough of it because that's your spiritual gift, and you want to serve. He said, well, I don't know what it is, but I sure do like it. Praise the Lord. Amen. The spiritual gift that God gives us as we come to know Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so, again, these are not all the gifts that we've listed for you here. These are just a general, non-exhaustive list. But the idea that I want to press forward is that the gifts are individually diverse. They are not all the same. We do not all have the same gift. And aren't you glad of that? Amen. But wouldn't it be something on Sunday morning if we were all the preacher? And that'd be something, right? We all don't have the same gift. But secondly, they're not only individually diverse, but they're individually distributed. Look at verse 11. It tells of verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So that tells us that If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, that at least one gift is distributed to you individually. You have been given a spiritual gift, at least one, as the Lord sees fit 
as he wills for your life. He has given you a gift that you will use as long as you have breath in your body. Amen? For the glory of God. And so he, this gift is distributed to you individually. But, but also, not only has he given you a specific gift or gifts, but he has given you a specific place in the body for you to be used for his glory. Look at verse 18. He says in verse 18, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. So in other words, God has created you for a purpose. He has created you with a function in mind as you were saved, what you would be used for him, by him, for his glory in the church. You have a function as a believer in the body of Christ. That's why it's so very important. If you're a guest with us today and you're looking for the church where God wants you to be, we pray that that's Mount Pleasant. But here's the thing. We want you to be where God wants you to be. Because he has a place and a plan for you and where you fit into the body of Christ. He has placed you here. He has placed you in that spot, wherever that may be, to be used for his glory. He has given you a spiritual gift to be used for the building up of the church. But here's the great thing as we think about this awesome God is that he knows all of us individually. It's not that he just knows us as Mount Pleasant Baptist Church and those people down there. No, he knows you individually. Amen? Well, why does he know me? I'll tell you why he knows you, because he created you. He created you individually. As a matter of fact, I'm reminded that today is the day which we celebrate the sanctity of human life. But we acknowledge that all life has been given by God, and it is sacred. Amen? All life is sacred. Every life is precious to the Lord. He's created us. He has formed us, and he's favored us with a plan and with a purpose for each of us. And and as a matter of fact, we go to Psalm 139, where the psalmist writes in verse 15 and 16, My frame was not hidden from you, speaking to the Lord. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, you skillfully wrought in the the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. Before I was even conceived, before I was even a thought in my parents' mind, God knew who I was. And in your book there were all written the days fashioned for them when as yet there were none of them. He knew me before I was born. He shaped me and and molded me and has made me and has a plan and a purpose for my life. What an awesome God we serve. Amen? He knew you. He created you to be a part of his perfect plan for bringing glory and honor to him. So he created you while you were yet in your mother's womb. God created you with certain bents, with certain ways, with certain talents, with certain abilities. But also, when you came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, he already had a plan for you to be used for his glory in the church as a part of the church to build up his church with the spiritual gifts that he would give to you individually. So here's the thing, friends. God created you to be you for his glory. He created you to be you, not somebody else. He created you to be you. He created you to be you, to use the tools that he's given you for his glory. We're not to strive to be somebody else or to have somebody else's gift or to look at what other people are doing. Well, well, I really wish I could do that. God, can't you just give me that gift? That's the gift I want. Now, that's not how we're supposed to do this, is it? Amen? No, but even, even pastors might be guilty of this sometimes. You know, for instance, I might say, oh, I just love the pastors we have here at Mount Pleasant. And if only I could have the wisdom of Pastor Andy. Oh, if, oh Lord, if, I, if only I could have the energy of Pastor Luke. If only I could have the musical giftedness of Pastor Brian. If only I could be as cool as Pastor Garrett. (laughs) Only if I could be as good looking as Pastor Joe. I'll take my dollar later, brother, all right? No, beloved, listen. I'm to be Pastor Joey. Not another pastor. Not a Matt Chandler, not an Adrian Rogers, 
and not a Jeff Ginn, whom I love and adore. God's called me to be Pastor Joey for this time and this place to be what God's called me to be with the gifts that he's given to me to pastor this church at this moment in time. That's what God, but listen, just as God has done that in my life, he's done that in your life. He's called you to do what you're supposed to do for his glory now. So you are to teach the way that God's gifted you to teach. You're to serve the way he's gifted you to serve. You're to encourage the way he's gifted you to encourage. You're to give the way he's gifted you to give. You're to evangelize with the way he's gifted you to evangelize. You're to show hospitality the way he's given you to, gifted you to show hospitality. Don't try to be somebody else. Amen? Don't try to be somebody else. Be whom God has called you and set you apart to be with the gifts that he has given you. Be faithful for his glory with the tools he's given to you individually as you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Be who God has called you to be. So we see here that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But also we see here that it's individualized. And then thirdly, we see that we're to understand that as with these tools, we are also interdependent. It's a big word, but it's very simple. It means we depend on each other. Interdependent. So whereas we're not to desire to have the gifts of others or be someone that we aren't made to be, we also need to see here in this passage that according to the scripture that we must depend on each other. Because here's the thing. We need each other. Amen? We need each other. We need each other's gifts. We need each other. We are dependent upon each other. Since every gift is unique, and each gift has been given to us individually, specifically, then God then has a purpose for you to be used wherever it is that he has placed you. And as he uses you in the body, you're a part of the body that is interdependent with the other parts of the body. We saw it in verse 7. In verse 7, you remember it shows that each gift, it tells us, is for the profit of all for all to profit in the body. In verse 12, he reminds us that we are one body but many members. And then in verse 20, he flips verse 12 and he says we're many members but one body. So we are connected to each other. Some in Corinth, if you remember, they were thinking that having certain gifts made them more important than others. And so they were striving for those important gifts. But that also means that as they were thinking there were some important gifts, that meant that they were also thinking that some gifts were less important and they didn't want to have anything to do with those. But notice what Paul writes as he's inspired by the Holy Spirit in verses 12 and 13. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Watch this now. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we've all been made to drink into one spirit. So that tells us here, as Paul is is comparing the church to a body, he's saying every single member is important, and we have this common baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, We see in other passages, we also know that he tells us about we have a common head, who is Jesus Christ. But we have this common baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean? That means that no matter where we are, no matter where we came from, when we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the same, Lord, the same blood has the same power over all of us to save us from our sins. And the Spirit indwells us. So that tells us that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. So we are all the same in Jesus Christ. So no matter our background, no matter our culture, no matter our age, no matter our education, that we all need each other as believers in the church. Now having said that, we also know that as you look at the rest of this passage, especially starting in verse 15, that no one has the right to say after we've heard about all these different gifts and that there are a, very, a variety of gifts, diversity of gifts, Nobody, can, nobody has the right to say, well, you know what, I'm not so sure. You know, that's okay. I'm just not that important. No, you do not have a right as a believer in Jesus Christ to say that you are not important in the body of Christ. Look at what it says in verse 15 and following. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is, the, is, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, yeah, because I'm not an eye, well, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? 
If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, then where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. You don't have a right to say, I'm not important. The Bible is very clearly saying that you're a part of the body of Christ as a believer in Jesus Christ. You have a gift that he's given to you, and you're certainly important. Secondly, just as you can't, you have no right to say, I'm not important, no one also has the right, no one has the right to say, well, I'm important, and we don't need you. Nobody has that right either. As a matter of fact, in verse uh, 20 and following, it says, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Everybody is needed in the body of Christ. You can, we do not have a right to say, I'm not important. And you do not have a right to say, we don't need you. We're all important in the body of Christ with the tools that he's given to us for his glory. Amen? Amen. Matter of fact, we see that and even having those kinds of thoughts bring about division, which should never be in the church. It tells us in verse 25 that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. In Rome, Paul wrote again in Romans, in Romans chapter 12, he said in verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me, everyone who is among you, that not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually we're members of one another. We are dependent on each other as the body of Christ. We're all together, we're to care for one another, and we are to help each other. As, as each member, listen, as each member of the body uses the gifts, the spiritual gifts, the tools that God has given them, as we each use them, then we're getting more and more healthy as a body. We need to be using the gifts that God's given us so that we can become a more healthy body. Well, let me explain this to you. Let me show you this picture. It's a beautiful picture. I want you to see this picture uh, of this blue ball. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Man, the colors are just dynamic, the blue. Beloved, that is the flu virus. And even though it is beautiful, man, that thing is awful, right? The flu virus. The flu, as we know across our nation today, and even some of you have been blessed to receive this wonderful thing in your body. The flu virus is an enemy of the body. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. So what happens, what happens in your body when this enemy, the flu virus, comes and attacks your body. Well, what happens is in your body that if you get the flu, if this, this glorious bug comes upon you and you somehow get this in your system, this, this virus, there are parts of your body, parts of your body which you cannot see, that begin to fight against that enemy. It's called an immune system. Anybody who does not believe in a creator God... It blows my mind. It takes more faith not to believe this than it does to believe in him. Amen? Just to think about what happens here. According to BBC Science, when our bodies come under attack from a viral infection, what happens is our body body launches a sophisticated defense known as the immune response. Our immune system is designed to recognize the cells that make up our bodies and to repel any foreign invaders such as viruses. And here's the thing that we all understand, is that the healthier we are, the healthier I am in my body, then the better my body is able to defend itself against the viruses, to defend itself against the enemy. Amen, right? So the healthier the body, the better we're able to defend against the enemy. Beloved, listen, such it is with the body of Christ. The healthier we are, the more able we are to defend against the enemy's attacks. And one way in which we continue to get healthier and healthier as the body is for each of us, each of us, to use the gift or gifts that God has given us for his glory 
in the church. Not just 10% of us using our spiritual gifts, not just 50% of us using our spiritual gifts, not even 75% or 95% or 99.9%, but each of us are to be using the gifts that God has given to us as believers in Jesus Christ for his glory to build up his church and his kingdom. He's called us to that. We are to be found faithful in that. And so there had been this division. Remember, there had been this division in Corinth over the spiritual gifts of people thinking they needed this one or wanted that one or whatever. But Paul shows them what really is important. He tells them as he reads, you know, as he writes out this, especially here in chapter 12, and he comes to the end of verse chapter 12, he says, but I show you a more excellent way. All these gifts that is important, each one's important, but here's what's really important, he says. Then we move into chapter 13, first three verses. He says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, then I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I may have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, then I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, then it profits me nothing. And so what he is saying here is that love must be the theme in the body of Christ. Love must be the theme. We all have spiritual gifts, but it always to be covered with the love of Jesus Christ that is within us. The Holy Spirit who dwells within us, within us enables us to use our spiritual gifts, but beloved, he also enables us to love each other the way we're supposed to love each other. Amen? That's what we see in the word of God. We are interdependent. We need each other. We depend on each other. We're to be faithful for his glory with the tools, the spiritual gifts, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But each gift also is individualized. They're diverse. They're distributed. And we're interdependent on each other. And then finally, we see that each gift is also indispensable. Each gift, each tool that God has given each of us is indispensable. It's absolutely important. So the gift that you have been given... As a believer, as a spiritual gift, listen, is absolutely necessary for the health of the body. You, using the gift that God has given you, are to be used to edify the body, to encourage the body, to equip the body, and to point people to Jesus who are not yet a part of the body. You're to use the gift for his glory. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, And he himself... Gave, himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 1 Peter 4, verse 10, 11. As each one has received a gift, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You've been given a gift. He's saying, be a good steward of what you've been given of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability that God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You're to use the gifts for his glory. Use the tools properly that God has given to you. It's important that we use the tools that God's given to us in the right way in which they are to be used. Just like if I tried to change the oil in my car with a tool from the auto repair shop, it would not be wise for me to try to do that with an iron and an ironing board. I can try to do it, but I'm not going to get very far, right? Amen? Use the tool that God has given you for the purpose that it's used for. We're to use the tools God's given to us. Not for my glory, not for me to be advanced, but for his kingdom to be advanced and for his glory. Amen? Use the tool that God's given you for the purpose in which it was intended. Using the tools God's given to you. We're to be good stewards with the gifts that we've been given. Okay, so what does that look like? All right, well, here's three real quick things about what that looks like to be a good steward. To be faithful with the gift that God has given you. Number one is you need to know what your spiritual gift is. Many Christians don't realize they have a spiritual gift. And if they do have a spiritual gift, maybe they don't realize what it is. And maybe if they realize what it is, they're not using it. But the first thing is, know what your spiritual gift is as a believer in Jesus Christ. So the first thing you want to do is you want to pray. You want to pray and say, Lord, I know I have a gift. I know you've given me a gift because the Holy Spirit lives within me. I need you to reveal that to me. Show me. Give me wisdom here. Give me guidance. He gives us wisdom liberally, the Bible says in James. 
help me, Father, to know what my spiritual gift is. But there's also, there are also tools that are available to us to help us to be able to sort of track what those gifts may be in us. One of those, a great tool that is used is a discovery, a discovery tool, uh, a, spiritual, a spiritual gifts assessment tool that's available on LifeWay. Now, we've made that available to you today. It's on our website at mpbc, mpbclife.com. Go to the very front page, first page, and you'll see at the top there's a link there to take a survey. What you do is you grade yourself on certain questions. There's a bunch of questions there. You grade yourself. It tells you how to do this. Very simple. And then you graph what you've come up with, and it tells you where you would lean toward your spiritual giftedness. Once you've done that, now, if you can't, can't, if you can't remember all that, you can simply Google spiritual assessment tool at Lifeway, and it'll pop up. And if, if and Internet's not your thing, we got you covered. There's a paper copy out there at the desk, all right, at the welcome desk, all right? We got you covered there, too. But after you've gone through and you use this discovery tool, you pray asking the Lord to give you guidance about what your spiritual gift is, then it's important, I think, to talk to a trusted fellow believer and say, look, this is what I found. What do you think? Does this sound like who I am? And have a conversation about it. Know your spiritual gift. And then secondly, use the gift for the glory of God. Find out what it is and then use that gift for the glory of God in the body of Christ and outside of the church walls as you seek to point people to Jesus using that gift as well. You can use your talents, your abilities, your ways, things which you're good at to point people to Jesus, but also use the spiritual gift that God's given you to point people to Jesus as well. Use the gift of the glory. This being a good steward, know what it is, use it for his glory, and then thirdly, sharpen the tools. You know, it's so important that we take care of our tools, right? Oh, how I remember as Christopher was growing up, I many times found some tools of mine out in the yard that were not taken care of, and you know what happened? They got rusty, and they were no good anymore. I had to buy new tools. Well, you don't do that with your spiritual gifts, but you ought to take care of them and to sharpen the tool that God has given to you. Sharpen this spiritual gift. And how do you do that? By practicing it. Practicing using your spiritual gift. Using the spiritual gift. Studying about the spiritual gift. Reading about the spiritual gift. Going to conferences is important. But here's the most important thing you can do to really sharpen the gift that God's given to you is grow in your walk with Jesus. You grow in your walk with Jesus, and he's going to help you to sharpen your spiritual gift because you're going to want to use it more. You're going to want to practice it more. You're going to learn more about who Jesus is. You want to know how can I build up the church? How can I build up his kingdom using what God has given me for his glory? Walk, growing in your walk with him. Say, well, I don't know, preacher, if I really want to do all that. That seems like quite an investment of time. We talked about time last week. Maybe you need to go back and see that sermon and hear that sermon. But here's what I think. You know, we spend great amounts of time in our lives today learning how to be a better golfer. Hey, nothing wrong with that. But we also spend great amounts of time maybe to be a better employee. We'll go to different conferences and try to learn how to be a better employee or how to be a better owner of a business or, or a better gardener or a better ball player or a better dancer or a better collector or a better vacationer. But here's the question. How much effort are we putting in to learning how to be a better servant of Jesus Christ? How much effort are we putting into serving better and learning better and teaching better and witnessing better and giving better and, and showing grace better, showing mercy better? Oh, no, preacher, no, 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 I got this. I'll just show up, I'll do my thing, and I'll be all right. Well, beloved, listen, I don't know about you, but God has given me a gift, and I want to use the gift that God has given to me with excellence. Why? Because he is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. And he went to the cross for me. He paid an awesome price for my salvation. And I want to be used for the glory of God to the best of my ability. So don't just show up and do your thing. Practice. Sharpen the tools. And be the man and woman of God that he's called you to be using the gifts that God has given you. Amen? Use them for his glory. Let us be faithful to use the tools we've been given to help build up his church. Three things to do. Real quick, we're done. Here's the to-do. Number one, determine if you are dwelt by the Holy Spirit. 
Does the Holy Spirit live within you? Beloved, the Bible tells us and told us this morning that if you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, then you are not a child of Jesus Christ. You're not a disciple of His. You've not been born again. So you need to decide, am I a child of God? Do I know Jesus? And if so, then the Holy Spirit does dwell within you. But if you don't, then take that step of faith. Acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, turning from sin, turning to Jesus in humble repentance, embracing, believing with all of your heart that Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross for you, who rose again bodily from the grave, professing Him as the Lord of your life. As you do that, you take a step of faith saying yes to Jesus, and He comes into your life and saves you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you at that moment. The Holy Spirit doesn't come later on in your walk, but as soon as you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within your life. Do you have him or not? Take the step of faith if you've never trusted Jesus as Savior. Secondly to do is discover and do what you are gifted to do. I assure you that your blessed spiritual gift is not keeping a pew warm on Sunday morning. Amen? No one here has the gift of pew warming. It's not in the scripture. It's not there. We all have a spiritual gift that we are to use. Discover what it is and do it. Just do it. Do what God has called you to do. Use the gifts. Discover and do what God's gifted you to do. And then thirdly, delight in the diversity of God's handiwork in the church. Meaning, let us always respect each other's gifts. Respecting each other's contribution to the body of Christ, respecting and loving everyone's work and service and care for each other. And as we do, constantly, being, as we've been equipped by the Spirit, using that for His glory, but always letting the overarching theme be loving as Christ has taught us to love. Amen? That's how we're to live it out, to be the church. Be faithful for His glory with the tools that he has given you in spiritual gifts. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for the power of your spirit who works in our lives. Lord, you know us. You know what we're doing and what we're not doing. You know, Father, what we need to do in our walk with you to to discover what our gifts are and to use them for your glory, that we continue to be a healthier and healthier church. This is just one of the things we need to do, but this specifically today we talk about. We pray that you'd draw us to yourself to be the people of God that we need to be. Lord, as you've created us for a purpose and a plan to fulfill the function uh, that you've given to us and made us and set us apart to be. So, Lord, I pray that we'd find the real blessing of serving you with the spiritual gift. So, Lord, today help us to walk away determined to discover and do and loving each other in the process for your glory and grace, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be here. If you need to come and pray, Pastor Joe's here. I'll be here. If you need to just come and kneel and pray silently, you come as God has dealt with your heart today as we'll pray with you.